You're listening to the expository preaching ministry of Kootenai Community Church, located in Kootenai, Idaho. We pray that Christ is exalted and your spirit is blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more information about Kootenai Church, please visit us online at kootenaichurch.org. Well, we are going to be discussing some things, uh, and the reason I preface the concern for women hearing these things is because uh, many of us husbands have not reached the point of living up to some of the expectations of Scripture. So we're in a process, and I want to encourage women that have husbands that perhaps have not met the criterion that Scripture gives husbands, that this is what this class is hoping to encourage. And though I must admit that um, had I learned these precepts earlier, it would have been much better for my wife. I'm thankful for godly men who came alongside and uh, were able to disciple me and my wife as we began the Christian walk, which I attribute and give grace to God for. Many of these things I'm still in the process of learning. I've got a ways to go. The Lord tarries. Um, my wife and I are still trying to work on our marriage. Um, I say that with all um, seriousness. I don't mean that we have problems in our marriage. I mean that we continually work at our marriage. Uh, this February, it will be 45 years for Marcia and I. So we're still in a process of learning, but through some of the things that God has shown us in our years together, we have been able to appropriate some of these truths and also recognize some of the things where I've failed. I will say this to God's glory that my wife has been an extremely fine example of not only the Proverbs 31 woman, but also of the woman of 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. She's been a great example of that. And prior to my coming to the Lord, she was probably exemplary in that, of winning me without a word by her chaste behavior. The Lord used her greatly in my life and still does, and I'm thankful for it. So let's uh, go to the Lord and we'll begin to examine some of these things that God has for us. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the absolute truth that comes to bear on our hearts, the absolute authority of the scriptures. And we give you thanks, Lord, that you have not left us here without understanding of how you would have us live, not only in the family unit, but in all facets of relationships here on earth. We ask that you would prepare our hearts, that you would grant us grace and understanding, illumination, as we examine these truths that will enhance relationships 
and we just give you thanks for what you're going to accomplish. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the roles of marriage and family have become, so we say, convoluted and even confusing to many in the universal church, uh, as well as, of course, society. Oftentimes, uh, one person or another in the family tries to fulfill the other person's role or responsibility. Sometimes children will try to assert authority uh, over their parents. Sometimes the wife may try to assume the role of the husband should have. Sometimes husbands neglect to function in a way God designed them to in the context of marriage. I want you to think about something. Imagine this. uh, In a team sport, imagine a football team that didn't understand what they're supposed to do. Now, you men can relate to that. Or imagine a basketball team or a hockey team if a person didn't know what position they were to play or what they were supposed to do. Or let's put it in the corporate world. Let's just say there's a corporation manufacturing. Let's just say, for the sake of illustration, a cabinet industry. Now, if we had a cabinet shop and men were supposed to fabricate cabinets and we had no oversight, no supervision, what kind of chaos do you think there would be in that shop? One would be saying, well, I think I'll make face frames to the day for today. And the other one says, well, I thought I was going to do that. Another one says, well, I want to build a drawer, but I don't know how. And so here you have chaotic exercise of futility. Well, in the same way, a family, if they don't understand their function and roles in the context of family, then there's no real oneness unless the husband and wife understand their distinctive roles and their various tasks and what they're supposed to be doing in their respective roles to complement one another. Everything breaks down when we fail to recognize God's design in marriage. So as we consider this, often there's frustration in marriage because They've never sorted out what that responsibility should be. People haven't examined the scriptures to see what their various distinctive roles are in marriage and in family. And as a consequence, everything starts to break down. God's design is absolute perfection. And he designed marriage to bring glory to himself. He designed it for companionship, procreation, and also be a picture of the church for those that are in Christ. So in this uh, short series that we're studying the aspects of marriage and family, we're going to examine some of these principles. Um, One author makes this statement regarding husbands. If you're a husband and perhaps a father, then you're in a war. War has been declared upon your family. 
Leading a family through the chaos of American culture is like leading a small patrol through enemy-occupied territory. If husbands are to avoid becoming a casualty of war, we must understand and fulfill our roles as husbands. Now, we could consider what society says or current philosophy says about marriage, but that would be the antithesis of what God's word says. So I'm not really going to examine anything from a philosophical or world viewpoint. Everything I want to look at is from a biblical, scriptural viewpoint. So as we examine this, uh, we have to remember that the world tells us, well, power to the women, or the children should um, have rights. They can sue their parents or even divorce them if they don't feel like they're being treated properly. Or if the husband takes the chauvinist approach, then he demands whatever he wants for his own personal gain in marriage relationship. The disaster that has overtaken families in America has been quieted down. One scholar from an American uh, enterprise institute said this, divorce, single parent families, step parent families is extremely unhealthy. There's no precedent for what has happened in any other time or any other place. Well, I, I would uh, like to sit down with him on that because if we examine Roman history, we're not quite there yet. He goes on to say there's a high correlation between disrupted homes and just about every social problem imaginable. Recent research, that is referring to the last 20 years in the 20th century, shows this. 80% of adolescents in psychiatric hospitals, oh, they fill the psychiatric hospitals, come from broken families. Three out of four suicides occur in households where one parent has been absent. Also studies reveal that households of single parent teenagers are significantly associated with high rates of violent crime and burglary. These were all studies done, as I say, in the last 20 years of the 20th century. So let me ask this question. Can things get worse? Absolutely. Actually, that's what Paul said in 2 Timothy. It says this, realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So these first traits of the last days are overwhelming in recognition of self-centeredness and self-indulgence, characteristics which certainly would pertain to the reality of our day. We have to consider where our society is. 
We're a self-indulgent society. If we want to use a psychological term, we're a narcissistic society. We're totally focused on what we can get for ourselves, for our own betterment, for our own good, to the neglect of everything else. Well, Paul gave that warning back in the 60s A.D. That warning was given showing what will happen in the end times. We're definitely in the end times. Anything following the resurrection of Jesus Christ would be considered end times. As we look at our society today, we recognize all these symptoms. We recognize all these manifestations of sin. Two of the other iniquities that Paul mentioned directly undermine the family, and that is disobedience to parents and unloving. These could be translated without family affection. Homes characterized by a lack of love and disobedience are doomed to produce children lacking respect of authority. Ultimately, every sin weakens the relationships between husbands and wife and parents and children and brothers and sisters. So if we're to consider what God says and we're to be uh, a wholesome relationship in the family unit, then we need to consider what God says in relationship to families. Now, Scripture addresses very specifically the different entities of the family. Now, we're going to look at men today. That's why we had a mass exodus earlier of when I said I was going to. Some of the men got up and walked out, but graciously returned. I'm thankful for that. It begins in 316 of Genesis, and I'm not going to turn there. Also, 1 Timothy 3, verses 4 and 5, Ephesians 5 verses 23 through 33, Psalm 128, 1 Corinthians 7, verses 3 and 4, Proverbs 5, verses 15 through 19. I'll give you this list later. Colossians 3, 19, and 1 Peter 3, 7, which is the text that we'll examine today. I want to begin with 1 Peter 3.7. Now, I'll be reading out of the New King James Version. So let's examine this verse and see how this breaks down and how it affects us as family and members of a family. First Peter verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, before we look at this text, I want to begin to examine that we're all in different places in life. We're growing. We're in a sanctifying process if we're indeed children of God. And so we're in the process of learning and being transformed from the inside out. When God gives us instruction, which this, by the way, 
is an imperative. This is in a command form for husbands. Now, if we look at this closely, we're going to see that um, it's a pretty explicit text, as are the rest, which we're going to look at a few others, uh, not today, but we're going to examine more closely Ephesians 5 as well. But if we consider this, we have to understand that we don't want to be looking at our spouse at this point and going, this is what God's word says. I already see some of you nudging one another, but you'll get your chance to nudge back in a couple of weeks. As we examine these things, let's be doing this. Let's consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Let's be praying for our spouses that they may be able to appropriate God's grace to apply these truths to their lives because it will transform your marriage. I can speak not only because I'm totally and completely trusting in God's word that that is so, but empirically I've experienced that in my own marriage by God's grace. So I know as we apply these things, and believe me, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine this last week and saying, you know, as I'm studying these texts relating to family, husbands, wives, I'm being challenged daily. These truths are very convicting. If there's no one here convicted, then perhaps we need to examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith because we're all going to be convicted. These truths are the essence of God's perfect design. And he wants us to live in obedience to what he's called us to in this. So we want to learn these principles and how to implement them. There's always room for growth. And believe me, um, I want to say this carefully, but I want to say it with very strong conviction. Men, we have to understand that we're going to be tested in many ways. And I want to be blunt. The world wants to to destroy. Satan wants to destroy marriages. And he's going to come after the husband. He's going to tempt him. He's going to try to make him disillusioned with marriage and family. He's going to do everything he can to come against God's ordained marriage. So we have to recognize that and be on guard for that. But in Christ, we do have victory. All of us have failed in some form or another. But we have to understand, by God's grace, his mercies are new every morning. So let's begin with that preface. We rely on God's grace. Now, those of us that have failed, um, we have to recognize something. When we turn to God in true humility and repentance and confess that to our Lord, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. There are consequences of our sins, some sins. There are always consequences, but some sins consequences linger. There's also times when we may have to 
go to somebody or ask forgiveness or there may be some restitution to be made. Whatever it is, deal with it. As uh, some of the prophets would say, stand up and be a man. Be a man according to Scripture. You know, I had uh, read this one article or it was in a book regarding marriage. And this one man, secular, made this statement. He said, you know what a real man is? A man who is truly a man lives for one woman in a monogamous relationship until death do him part. That's manhood. Not going from woman to woman to woman to try to experiment with other women, but to be committed to one woman for the lifetime. That came from a secular person. Unbeliever. He had it. He understood the concept. We can't change what's happened in the past. We can only repent and recognize God's forgiveness. So as we consider some of these principles, let's pray for our families. Let's pray for families that we know that we'd be able to grow in obedience to God's word. Now, you might be able to say that this whole passage or this whole verse is speaking to husbands to be learners. To learn what? Well, it boils down to three different things. Um, Consideration, chivalry, companionship. All those are the essence and outflow of love. Does anyone know what chivalry is? It's not a word that we use too frequently anymore. Somebody may have heard it in their, even use it in their vocabulary. Does anyone know what chivalry means? Carol? It's like uh, showing mannerisms towards the woman, like laying the clothes across the head. Good. Yes, that's one of the manifestations. It's showing uh, kindness, consideration, and the virtues of. Uh, actually, it was originated when they were going to knight somebody. They had to show the virtue of chivalry. That is, part of that was that of being able to protect and show respect for a woman and kindness. So being chivalrous is uh, kind of a lost concept in our society. How many times do you see husbands opening the doors for their wives or waiting till their wives finish to sit down before you eat with them? I hope you're learning those things. I hope you're practicing those things. But sometimes in our society, we kind of lose sight of those things, even as Christians. How to treat our wives with love and respect. Peter begins with husbands. Likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Them is referring in the context to his wife. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together with the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. So beginning with in the same way, that refers back to verse 13 in chapter 2, which basically is talking about the beginning of the submission 
aspect that Peter's telling. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing so, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Again, in verse 18, Peter says this, Servants, be submissives, <coughs> submissive excuse me, to your masters with all fear, only to the good and gentle, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief and suffering, suffering wrongfully. So Peter's developing this teaching on submission. And then again, when we get to three one, wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some of them do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. So Peter is bringing this submission not just from the social standpoint of submission to authorities or to workers or to those in authority at work, but he brings it to the family unit. And that's where we come to now with the husband. This time he's speaking directly to believing husbands. When I say that, this principle would apply to anyone, but not anyone could do this because it takes the grace of God in order to absolutely live this in a way. But in the context, we know because at the end of this verse, he said, lest your prayers be hindered. So we know that unbelievers, their prayers can't be heard except for that of repentance unto salvation. So Paul is speaking and addressing believing husbands here. So as we think of this, he is saying this time it's the believing husband who submits to what? To serve his wife. Submits to serve his wife. Husbands obey that duty by adding these three basic responsibilities, which um, graciously Ed put on the board for me. Although I spelled one of the words wrong and he corrected that. So um, I was given a good correction by a few of the or women that helped me out. And I appreciate that. I don't have spell check up here at this point. So as we consider this, Understand that first husbands are to live with their wives in an understanding way. This principle is stated in the form of a command. Understanding speaks of being sensitive and considering the wife's deepest physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. The word uh, live refers to dwelling together and refers to living with somebody in intimacy and cherishing them. So these instructions are directed to believing husbands. There's no way an unbeliever could possibly live like that and treat his wife like that in the true sense. So believers 
We have to learn this. Husbands. As we consider husbands dwelling with their wives in an understanding way, this also refers and brings in the word knowledge. Now, knowledge here refers to an intelligent recognition of. Now, the world says that, how can we understand women? I mean, that's an impossibility. Well, um, I guess I've said that before. I have to admit that. But God says here, okay, a couple of times I might have said it. I'll be candid here. I, you know, it's not an easy thing for a man to understand a woman. So is there distinctions? Absolutely. God created us different. So man thinks different than a woman. Uh, oftentimes when there's a conflict or a woman wants to express something, she can just pour her heart out and a man tries to figure out how can I fix this? We're fixers. We want to do something. We want to fix it. So it took me many years to learn this. You can't always fix things, and that's not always what a woman is asking. Most of the time, a woman just wants to express her heart and wants her husband to listen to her. But in that, we can learn great things about our wives if we're listening, not just sitting there and nodding our heads and waiting so we can turn on the whatever's coming up on the television or going someplace. Or, but to really listen, we have to learn to be listeners. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Listening is, uh, is a great virtue, a good listener. You'll notice that people that are good listeners, they usually have a lot of people that they communicate with. And I think that's good because... If you're willing to listen to somebody, you will learn a lot about that individual, not just our wives, but in every relationship. Listen to your children. Communicate. Listen to those that are trying to express them. Oftentimes on Sunday mornings, people say, how's it going? Uh, okay. Well, how you doing? Well, a lot of times we really just kind of, yeah, we're okay. You know, things are great. But really listen to an individual and figure out. Be sensitive. Are they struggling with something? You may not be able to resolve anything, but certainly you can pray for that individual. Call them up later. Say, hey, um, you know, I didn't get a chance to talk to you much, Sunday. Is things all right? That's all it takes sometimes for people. Sometimes that's not enough. But that shows your love and your attention and your care for the individual. Here, Peter is telling the husbands that we have to understand and learn with knowledge what our wives are, who they are. Live with our wives in an understanding way. This is probably the biggest deficit, I would say, of any man in marriage. In most men. I know it was in my life. I know we, Marsha and I often do counseling. And one of the things we run into, by the way, if I ever use illustrations, it's never anyone here or anyone remotely around that you would know about. 
So we, we spend a lot of years down in Kootenai County, so we did a lot of counseling down there. But what I'm saying is this is one of the deficits that men have, understanding their wives, living with them in an understanding way, with knowledge, empirical knowledge. How do we get to know our wives? Here's a big question. Well, I've got a list. I'm not going to give it out today, but those of you, and I don't want this to go to the women, just for the men, because it's going to be convicting. There's a very scholarly man that uh, did some biblical counseling, and he came up with a couple of lists, which was rather intimidating for me to go through, but I'm going to go ahead and copy, and I'll bring those. The copy machine wasn't working when I tried to do that. So understanding, what does that mean to you as a man? How, how does that flesh out? How do we understand our wives? Do we understand them when we come home, we're tired, and we say, how's it going? And they say, fine. <laughs> Everything all right? Yeah. Um, anything wrong? Nope. <laughs> Slams a dinner on the table. Doesn't sit down. Well, that would be rather obvious to most of us. But some might look at that and start eating and Get up and say, thanks, that was good, and go sit down and carry on their evening. We have to understand that when we're trying to communicate, whether it be our wives or with anybody, when somebody's having difficulties, that doesn't always come out when we ask them how things are. They may say nothing's wrong, but their body language and their... That was a good reaction. <laughs> I, I get the impression the men are not responding mm-hmm. because they would have to claim knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> well, there may it's maybe a little intimidating having their wives sitting right next to them in some cases. So, um, yes. That's a good point. I'm going to repeat that for the sake of the recording. Uh, Brian just brought out the fact that um, when he returned 
and they were all sitting uh, in the home, uh, the fiance of one of his daughters said, I'm outnumbered here, four to one. So he was, of course, Brian responded very appropriately. You asking me to feel sorry for you here? (laughs) We have to understand that women are different. And by design, they're different. As we are different. You know, women, when they evaluate men, they're probably going, hmm. You know, by the way, there are some here that are thinking of marriage sometime in the future. Well, I'm glad there are those here that are sitting in because I want you to start putting together a theological understanding and a biblical basis of understanding what the qualifications are for marriage. Oftentimes, this is what's looked for. Looks, personality, intellect, uh, humor, and all the societal things that one would look for to have perhaps in a mate. Well, let me ask this question. Wives, uh, when your husband was courting you, was he a little bit different while he was courting you than, say, a couple of years after you were married? You don't have to answer that. I can answer it for you. I know um, you want to be, well, for myself, I wanted to be fastidious, I wanted to be humorous. At the same time, I wanted to be quiet, strong, silent type, Um, but attentive. All those things that we should be doing, you know, the honeymoon really should never end. Why should it? There's no reason for it to. So we should be courting our wives, so to speak, in our attitude throughout our marriage. So as some of you young women are considering marriage at some time in the future, it goes beyond just personality and physical attraction. And the same with men. Those things um, change. Um, I've changed a little bit in the last uh, 45 years. And that's okay. Um, Is it okay? Okay. (laughs) It's okay with me. So it isn't based on the externals. It's based on the character of an individual and the biblical qualifications. Okay, we'll set that aside. That that's was just a add on. What we're thinking about here is the distinction here between a man and a woman. There's many distinctions in emotions, personality, and makeup. And as he goes through this verse, we'll see there's a difference physically. So as we consider how to know our wives or live with them in a more understanding way, it's important for men to really discover that, prayerfully discover that, all the time. You think I'm attained here? No, I'm constantly learning things about my wife, and it's exciting for me. For a while, I didn't think so. 
I really didn't. Uh, and I, you know, when I first came across this verse, I really didn't understand what it meant. But the more I studied it, and then finally when I exegeted this text, it was very convicting to be filled with that knowledge and understanding of our wives is essential. It's not something that Peter said would be a good idea if you're married to you know, consider this. It's a command form. It's an imperative. So we are to learn to know and understand our wives. Yes? I think one of the things that's important here is to realize that it is a command. And it says something about us as men when we go into a relationship. And that is, and women, we don't understand. We don't. Right. And if we humbly recognize that, and recognize that there are something here we don't fully understand, we think we understand it, but we don't. And if we recognize what this verse is really saying, there's we will submit ourselves to the verse and to our wives and to realize that there's an opportunity here to learn about the things that we don't we clearly don't understand. Good. I'm going to repeat some of that just for the sake of uh, recording once again. Thomas is pointing out something. This is in the command form. And the reason that we're instructed this way as husbands is because we don't understand our wives. So we're commanded to live with them, dwell with them in an intimate relationship in an understanding way. So we're commanded to learn to understand and have more knowledge of our wives. It's not something that just happens. Lynn, did you raise your hand? Perfect. Did you all hear what Lynn said? God never gives us any commands that he doesn't also give us the grace and ability to fulfill. It's always by his grace and his empowerment that we can do these things. Now this word knowledge uh, that it's taken from, it's the same word used over in Philippians 3.10. Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection in the fellowship of the suffering being conformed to his death. That same word, knowledge, and know, is the same word as understanding. Living that way, in an understanding way, and filled with that knowledge, empirical knowledge, epinosis, a deeper understanding of. There's different levels of knowledge, and we went through that in some of our studies. Gnosis, common knowledge. Epinosis is an empirical, personal knowledge of. That's the kind of relationship we have with Jesus Christ, that personal knowledge of that relationship with Christ. That's the kind of knowledge that we're commanded to have with our wives. Here's a couple of questions. Husbands. What things should a husband seek to know about his wife? Drew some smiles. 
and a lot of blanks. It's something to ponder. What kind of things should we understand about a wife? Well, let me throw out a couple. Thomas. Her needs. Okay. That encompasses a lot. Physical, emotional, spiritual needs. So, good. Consider what a wife's needs are. Financial, which is under physical. All of those things are encompassed by our knowledge of. Good. What's another one? Her strengths. Knowing our wives' strengths. What an asset. That is where the wife compliments her husband. That is part of the helpmate aspect. Knowing our wife's strengths. I was just, uh, when I was praying this morning, I was just thanking the Lord for my wife's ability and her financial knowledge of being able to uh, manage finances. Now, in our home, I always make the ultimate decisions, and yet we do that together. I always consult my wife before we do anything. Not that we have that many major financial things that we can consider, but throughout our lifetime, we've always, our life together, we've always worked together in that realm. That's her strength, my weakness. She compliments me in that area. If it was up to me, I would probably be buying most of my clothes at Goodwill. I buy some of them there now, but um, she's a good manager. So considering our wife's strengths is a great one. What's another one? Strengths and weaknesses. That's important for us as men to understand our wife's weaknesses. Now, I'm not going to point out Marsha's. Well, I might. One of the things I have to guard against, because I know my wife desires always to help with helping people. And she's always got a heart to not only counsel, but help. And she gets, sometimes I have to help her say no. And uh, um, sometimes she has to help me say no. And I also have a friend who calls me once in a while and talks to me about that. We have to know the weaknesses and the strengths of our spouses. That way we can complement them in ways, I mean, by helping them in ways that they might not be able to do on their own. So that's part of the husband's role as an overseer, to provide, protect, to come alongside These are the things that we learn about our wives. So that understanding her needs, physical, spiritual, emotional, understanding her strengths, understanding her weaknesses. That's a good place to start, guys. Very good. Giving honor to the wife. Now, This is something that, when I did a word study on this, the etymology of this word honor, it's a great word. 
The word honor translates from the same Greek word as in verse 19 of chapter 1. It says this, But with the precious blood of the Lamb without blemish and spot. Precious. The same word is honor. Uh, We're to treat our wives with honor as precious jewels. You ever think about that? If I were to say, okay, guys, you know, I did a historical background study on Bonner County. And let's just say I found some of your properties and I discovered that there was some treasure buried there that happened in the late 1800s. Now, if I told you that that happened on your property, what would you do? (laughs) There you go. And you probably wouldn't use a backhoe. You'd probably get out there with a shovel and a pick. You would dig for that precious treasure. Well, in the same way, we're to treasure God's word. We're to also treasure our wives as precious and honor them. That's a tremendous thought, concept. Um, We would... I'll say this because I'm... I have been guilty of this. This would include uh, not making snide remarks publicly about our wives. If we treasure them, if we're honoring them, we're not going to say something, quote, in the form of humor that would degrade our wives or publicly mock them. Oftentimes we use humor at somebody else's cost. Humor like that is sin. So guard against that. If you're going to say anything publicly about your wife, exalt them. Say things that would edify. Paul commands us, let no unwholesome speech proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word that is good for the edification of the hearer. So as we consider making jokes about somebody, whether it be a friend, a spouse, consider, is that going to hurt them or is that going to edify? As we consider treating our wives with honor, that means when we we're tired, we've had a hard day, we've gone through struggles and we come home. And even though we've had a difficult day, we want to honor our wives. Now, I'm looking around, and I'm seeing some smiles from some of you guys. So you all know what I'm talking about. We sometimes can carry our work to the point of coming home. And I, I'll go ahead. I used to do this. I used to come home, and I'd carry this weary look and troubled look on my face, and I didn't care because I wanted my wife to really know how hard I worked for her. Well, that's man's way of showing love, right? You work hard, I'm providing. That's the way we think sometimes. But you know what? We're commanded to provide for our wives. 
So it isn't an extra. This is just fulfilling of God's ordained duty for the husband. So as we do so, we should do it cheerfully. And as we come home, if we I know what it's like to go through a hard day. I also know that our wives have had difficult days. They may be taking care of children. They may have trouble there at home. <clears throat> if they're in the workforce, they may have struggled with something. Whatever it is, when we come home, honor our wives by our behavior. Meryl. Great, great example. Merlin said about Harvey, he came home one day and he was incensed. What about? About husbands degrading their wives. And that helped edify Merlin because she knew if he was incensed about someone else talking about their wife in such a manner that she was encouraged, he would never do that about her. What a great illustration. There's a case where he honored his wife, just by the fact that he took such a stand with other men. Are we willing to bear that, men? You know, as God gives us uh, these commands, as we consider these things in a practical way, we shouldn't be fearful of that. A lot of times we fear peer pressure. That, oh, you're not really a, come on, man up here. We're going to have to really show our manhood by really showing our love for our wives, our love and compassion, and our ability to stand against worldliness. Be careful, men, because Satan wants to come after you in every way he can. Sometime I'd like to have a private time with you men because there's things I would like to address privately with you that I think are crucial for men to be guarding against. And I think it's understanding that we're to be attacked on every level. And we discussed this a little bit in one of our men's meetings. Uh, It was last year, I think. And it was good, because many men at that time recognized all the temptations that men have out there. And we have to stand against that by God's grace. To cherish our wives and honor them means that we don't put our affections on another woman. We don't consider that. We don't make room for the flesh or give occasion to the flesh. We honor our wives with our heart and mind as well. So I'll just leave it at that. goes on to say this, honor them, give honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Um, Oh, we're running late. We're going to have to stop here. Weaker vessel. We'll pick up there next week. Um, By the way, I'll just preface with this. Weaker vessel is not talking about uh, less intelligence, less spirituality, uh, less ability in any way. It's not a demeaning statement at all. It's actually a statement of chivalry. So we'll stop. Any questions or comments before we 
close. I really appreciate the input today. It really shows me that you're thinking about these things. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, you youth. As you consider <clears throat> some of the things we've talked about today, think about this. As you're factoring in uh, considerations for the future marriage, as we're looking at these principles, these are, are God-ordained principles. They're not something that we just look at and say, yeah, that'd be pretty good if we could do that. We're commanded to do them. And so we should be looking, those of you who are pers- uh, looking for prospective mates, for those character qualities that you're seeing in individuals now. But I'll tell you this. Don't ever consider marriage as a Christian without going through adequate premarital counsel from a biblical perspective. Okay, we'll close. Father, we do thank you for your word. Lord, it's the final authority in our lives. We just praise you and thank you for it. We consider it precious. And Lord, help us as husbands to follow these mandates that you've given us so that we may truly exercise uh, honor to you and glorify you by loving our wives in the way that you've called us. Those of you that, uh, those of us here that have had family members or people that have lost their spouses. I just pray, Lord, that you would be able to minister to them and strengthen them in their personal relationship with you. I just thank you, Lord, that you are our sufficiency in all things, and your grace is sufficient in all things. We give you praise now, and we ask a blessing on our time and fellowship and worship, and we just pray this in Jesus precious name and to your glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to the latest podcast from Kootenai Church. If you'd like to learn more about Kootenai Church or to donate to our church ministry, you can do so online by visiting KootenyChurch.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and pray you'll join us again next time. Once again, thank you for listening.